Hello and welcome to the Urban Talk podcast, where we talk all things urban, demystify development, and break down the barriers between the development sector and local communities. I'm your host, Belinda Barnett, and today I want to explore pandemic planning perspectives. Because as a community, our shared COVID-19 lockdown experience will have a long-standing influence on how we design and plan urban places and spaces going forward. To discuss this topic, I'm pleased to welcome Sunny Embleton, who heads up Urban Design at Guide Consulting. Thank you for joining me today, Sunny. Thinking back to our lockdown experience, while there was a big list of things I know I missed, I did love stepping out and connecting with my local area. I can't believe I only drove my car about five times in 15 weeks. I'd lived in my suburb for 10 years, but it's only after experiencing two lockdowns that I can now say I really know where I live. As I paced out my daily 10,000 steps, it gave me some interesting insights into the design of neighbourhoods and the value of living local. From a planning perspective, it also reinforced for me that there are many aspects of planning policy and urban design that we're getting right. And there are areas where we may see a new design emphasis or rethinking as a result of this pandemic. I guess, um, yeah, maybe just to, to kick off, what, from, a, from your perspective as an urban designer, what do you really think has changed as a result of COVID-19? I, I know, you've, you know we've talked um, previously that about the role that, you know, sort of a historical perspective as well as how different events, you know, that we've witnessed in the past have, have made and evolved into positive influences from an urban design perspective in terms of what is carried out today and the built forms that we have. So, yeah, what, what's some of your thinking around that? Yeah, I think as humans, um, we're, we're, we're very adaptable creatures eventually. Um, in terms of the, 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 the COVID pandemic and urban design, urban design is not an instant thing that changes. Um, you know, I mean, we can react to the, the change in circumstances, the change in behaviour, um, but but to really to identify um, you know long term trends, it's you know it's it's not an easy thing to to yeah. pr- to predict. But what we we do know is that one one thing that we do as urban designers and planners is we um, you know we're, we're constantly looking at the balance between you know sort of um, our built environment, um, the space around it, and the opportunities for interaction and. I mean, if we go if we go back to you know some of the pandemics of the past, um, you know we think about the um, you know the the flu epidemics um, last century. We think about you know cholera um, and the response to that, and um, you know density is certainly um, you know potentially made us um, you know vulnerable to um, you know to 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 those kind of pandemics because um, you know our cities are designed to. Um, you know, to maximise interaction. You know, that's what we do. That's what we want to do as humans. We're we're social creatures. So, in some ways, um, density can uh, leave us um, a more more exposed and, and and increase the chance of um, of a virus spreading. So, in, in response to the cholera pandemics of the past, there there was you know a, a, a need to uh, separate drinking water from from wastewater and um, you know sewage systems were invented they were a technology of the time and you know it's a it's a technology that's sort of hidden away from us these days one that we take for granted um you know they're they're lasting changes that we've seen in um you know in response to to past pandemics um in in terms of you know how we're going to respond to to this pandemic uh you know 
the need for space has become one of the most important things I think that we've um, we've become aware of. Uh, you know, space on the footpath, space to social distance. You know, when you're entering your apartment building, the need to you know to keep one point five meters away from 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 other people in 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 the elevator. Um, you know, there's a need to um, to have space. So um, we're already starting to see. Just uh, we we work with uh, with a lot of developers, and we're already seeing um, conversations happening in pre-lodgement meetings for development applications. Um, those conversations with design review panels starting to think about, well, could you make this lobby space a bit bigger? Um, you know, what does that feel like? Are people going to be sort of cramped in those spaces? You know, we're we're starting to think more and more about social distancing and how we build that into our urban environments. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's great that it's that instantaneous, actually, in terms of becoming, you know, foremost and, and part of an integral, really, to, to these conversations at, you know, a pre-DA stage when we're sort of still in the middle of it, if you know what I mean? It's sort of, it's, there isn't a time lag in, I guess, in the industry looking to um, address it. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're jumping on it straight away, which I think is really good. The other thing that I think is really interesting with this, not that I've lived through another pandemic really, but this pandemic is really the role that um, digital connectivity is playing. Um, You know, there's been a great report prepared by a company called Neighbourlytics. I'm not sure whether you've, um, like, are across them, but like, you know, any listeners out there, I'd really encourage you to download it. It's titled The New Local Data Report. And I guess this report really reinforces that while lockdowns make us physically isolated, that we've never really been more connected, um, digitally speaking, um, at at any other point. You know, we're working online, we're shopping online, we're socialising online. I mean, it's a a different adaptation, but I, I think it's great and it's... It's really great that like digital technology can bring us together at this time. Um, and I think that's sort of a, a new consideration as well as planners and designers that we also need to start thinking about going forward because we've got to make sure that all neighbourhoods, and, and it's what um, neighbourlytics sort of term, have the same level of digital maturity so that one one part of the community isn't lagging behind in that area. So... I think for us and, and where we work, that's a that, that's another interesting consideration that is is coming to the mix out of this. Absolutely, and I guess the the whole uh, you know at the start of the pandemic when we we're all sort of you know we we're all a little bit um, you know sideswiped in a way we um, we we, we realised that we 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 had to keep uh, keep going as best we could. Um, how are we going to do that when we can't you know be in the same space together? Unfortunately. You know, uh, over the last you know ten or twenty years, there's been this incremental kind of uh, improvement in our digital environments and the technology of our um, of of our. Um, telecommunications. Um, you know, the the NBN was you know in, a, yeah, in an advanced stage of of rollout. Um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine getting through this pandemic if we had dial up. You know, oh uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Even waiting for the sound of the dial-up was, uh, you know, <laughs> it would have taken long enough. So, um, you know, in some ways there has been, a, you know, sort of a f- uh, like a fortunate sort of culmination of, you know, digital kind of um, technologies that, that, that came together, um, you know, and enabled, you know, many of us, not all of us, there's people that were absolutely unable to work because of the, the pandemic. But for, the, for those of us um, in, in offices, it certainly, um, you know, 
provided us with those collaborative environments. And, you know, in some ways it was our our, our Forrest Gump moment. We started to realise, oh, if we can work from home, potentially we yeah, can, um, you know, uh, we, we don't need to be living close to the city. Potentially we don't need to be living, um, you know, we, we could be living from the regions and doing the same thing. And we, we're hearing reports that, you know, that there has been sort of people sort of moving to the regions. Whether the, those are long-term statistics, um, you know, time will tell. But, um, you know, we are starting starting to, to think about, you know, lifestyle and balancing lifestyle with, um, you know, with our work commitments. And, you know, uh, I know that Guide has certainly been coming to the party on that for us. Um, you know, we, we've, um, you know, we've been balancing sort of time in the office and time at home, and that's been really beneficial on a, um, you know, on a, on a, uh, on a life um, basis, you know, on a, on a mental health basis. And, um, you know, it gives us time to be able to do some of the things that we might want to do with families and, and friends and, and, and recreation and exercise in the morning. Yeah. And I guess those considerations then sort of, you know, th- those changes in how people behave then have flow on effects in terms of how we use space and, and, and how we, I guess, yeah, I- interact and, and, and go through our neighbourhoods and, you know, rely on our neighbourhoods and, and how we sort of changes our expectations or our, our view of, of city centres. Um, you know, it, it may mean that we don't go into city centres as, as much or, or we, we, we react with them differently or we might go into them more, like they might become places where we, we love to go and, and have a lunch where, you know, in the past you might have just gone out to lunch in your local area. I, think, I think, just think it's a, a whole... It's it's a different sort of pattern of, of how people will will start reacting. What are what are some of the I guess observations that you are seeing in right now? I guess in even in your local area about how people's behaviour is changing. Yeah, you know, I mean, one of the things that you don't really get to 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 experience when you're when you're a nine to five worker, you very rarely get to see the parks and the places in your local neighbourhood. Yeah, you, you get to you you rarely get to see how they're used, and on. The times that you do get to see them, uh, you know, you might not be at work on a particular day, and you you, you see a park that's um, that's empty because everybody's at work. Um, the, the the pandemic has, has has changed that because we're all walking uh, working from home, and we're, whereas we would normally uh, you know go out in our lunch break and uh, you know go to one of the food halls in the city or go and sit in one of the the parks or down by Darling Harbour. Um, you know, you, you 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 look for those opportunities um, closer to home, and um, just you know, my little local park down at the um, uh, the what was the Royal Women's Hospital in in Paddington is you know it's a, it's a park where people go to walk their dogs and socialise, and um, you know, just seeing seeing how differently that's been been used because you know you've got the kids at home from school, um, you know, uh, doing their schooling from home. And you know, at lunchtime they want to go out and play. You know, yeah. that's their that's their thing. That's what that's what one of the best bits of going to school is. Uh, so you know, you, you go through the park. You might be going to get some some groceries. One of the things that we're allowed to do, you know, going and getting groceries, becomes recreation in a in a pandemic. Um, I've learnt. And you know, you see that um, you know that these parks are being used by people working. They've taken their laptop, laptops down there on a nice day, getting some sun while they work. They might be doing a conference call or a um, you know a, a video call. Um, you know, the kids are there, um, sort of playing and interacting, and um, you know, it's 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 a it's a completely sort of different way of using this space. So it's sort of you think about the impacts that that might have on on the need for 
for public space and, you know, what those public spaces need to be in terms of um, catering for, you know, their use in this this different kind of um, environment that we're living in at the moment. Absolutely. And I think it's also seeing a change in behaviour in, in how people use the street. Uh, and, you know, I, I like the, the new policy around parklets I think is really interesting. I think it came out of San Francisco, but don't quote me on that. But I, I love that where you, that sort of flexibility in approach where, you know, a street can suddenly not just be a street for cars, but it can be part of that space, can be taken up and, and used to support pedestrians or can be used to support local businesses with outdoor dining. I mean, that's that's a great initiative and it's it's you know, it's it's good. It'd be great to see that sort of keep going, um, even like beyond the pandemic. Um, I, I think. Yeah, Belinda, it's been one of the the most refreshing things that I, I experienced in this whole pandemic is um, is that the 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 traffic on the roads just calmed down, and for a brief period there, there was just no traffic at all. Um, you know, so as a pedestrian, you could start to confidently, um, you know, occupy you know that space and. You know, I, I kind of think about my experience of, um, you know, of, of footpaths in general and, you know, the amount of space that we need on them as there's, you know, there's, there's um, you know, crowded spaces that we were used to, um, you know, and, and now we're, we're looking at footpaths and, and the places that we can walk for the amount of space that we have on them to be able to, you know, give that one magic 1.5 metres away from, um, from other passers-by. So... Um, I don't know if you, you – on the footpath, you know that little bit of space between, um, you know, where the signposts are and, and the edge of the curb. Um, yes. It's the most underutilised part of the footpath, and that's my personal freeway. So I'm just <laughs> letting that secret out there. So, you know, if I'm sort of rushing to, to walk to work in the morning, that's the – you know, sometimes that's, that's what I That's your lane. Use. Uh, yeah, and that, and that, that was, um, you know, pre-pandemic, my, my reasons for doing that were different. And uh, I guess, you know – Thinking back to the very, very early part of the pandemic, when we really all of it, you know, the the, the, the cruise ships were being held up, um, you know, we were just starting to become aware of social distancing. We were just starting to become aware of how this virus was being passed around. And I remember standing on George Street and there was this guy and he was vaping. And he, he took a puff of his vape and he let out this enormous cloud of fog. And... He, um, you know, I kind of looked at and I thought, wow, that, that, that's how far people's breath travels, <laughs> you know. It's <laughs> a big, big breath, <laughs> you know. So I started to think that, you know, we're, we're, maybe we're breathing everybody's breath all the time, you know. So it started to, you know, there was reason to fear that at the time. Where's my mask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's my mask? Um, you know, so, um, you know, so, so I guess that, that little space between the signs and the curb became more important for me to be able to try and get some social distance. But, you know, we sort of think that, you know, we've got, you know, we, we'd love to have wider footpaths. I mean, that's just good, you know, good good planning for pedestrians. But, you know, we've got to balance the needs of vehicles. We've got to balance the needs of pedestrians and the enjoyment of pedestrians. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, this what, what could potentially be a temporary blip, you know, maybe out of all of this, people are finding it more, you know, safer to ride or more enjoyable to walk. 
um, you know, so so maybe it will have lasting effects. And um, you know, and I think that as as planners and urban designers, we are all very aware of um, you know of that need to you know to to balance space and create you know pleasant and functional spaces for for both pedestrians and vehicles as well. So these kind of parklets that are popping up and new um, new uh, cycleways, temporary cycleways, in some ways, maybe that maybe some of those can become permanent. You know, these are these are great sort of uh, opportunities to, um, as you've said before, Belinda, to, to pivot our thinking and to start thinking about, you know, how we can maybe shift that balance a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I've really enjoyed seeing is like just walking around, you know, Willoughby is really people, and I've been really looking at is that interface between you know, development and the street frontage and um, particularly like in a residential, I guess, in residential areas. I really love seeing people using their front gardens, you know, like people just sitting out there having a coffee or, you know, even picnicking or, you know, as a, as a space that's sort of where, where neighbours are congregating. It's really lovely to see that use and really reinforcing the importance of front gardens, I, I feel, in, in that sort of sort of low-density low resi environment. And at the same time, I think, you know, for, for apartment buildings, it's really reinforcing the importance of the balcony. You know, there's been some really moving images, I think, on, you know, on the news that, that's come out of different pandemic stories where people just really being on their balcony and it's been so essential for them to be able to experience a degree of social connection with the outside world through that through that balcony space. And, you know, where there may be pressure to, you know, reduce these areas in new developments, you know, hopefully there's a more of a kickback and we might see like changes in design about even like making balcony areas larger or sort of a renewed understanding of the important role that they play. You know, and again, even at, at ground, I guess, in the ground plane of, you know, residential apartment buildings, the importance of communal open space, um, which often gets eroded, in, you know, in, in all sort of, oh, should we make a, you know, a rooftop garden or, you know, there's lots of different, I guess, solutions to providing open space. But I think what's happening at ground level is, I, I think, really important in, as a result of, of well, I'm, I'm looking at it very closely, I guess, as I, as I walk around um, as a result of this pandemic. Absolutely. I think for me, what it comes down to is um, is community facing opportunities for um, you know to, to live in places that are community facing with um, with our little neighbourhood. You know, um, we, we have that opportunity with our balconies on the street and the the, the closeness of our, our houses, and um, you know we can have those social interactions and. Um, yeah, I think with 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 apartments, um, you know, we're 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 building apartments that are community facing, you know, towards the street, um, and we're also building apartments that are community facing towards community communal open space. Um, you know, we're we're guided in 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 many of these developments by the apartment design guide, which um, you know, which stipulates you know balcony uh, minimum balcony sizes and. Um, you know, and um, you know, minimum requirements for um, for communal open space, and you know, these. Uh, I think a lot of developers are really, you know, sort of um, understanding the importance of of how that those kind of spaces, um, you know, are attractive um, to people and and facilitate lifestyle that's enjoyable community life. So, um, yeah, I think that um, when it comes to 
low density environments. You know, we, we think back to some of the single residential housing typologies that we've had in the past, you know, think back to the, you know, some of the Edwardian um, houses and um, California bungalows, you know, they, they, they had a veranda at the front, um, you know, and, and I guess as cities get bigger, um, people have sort of retreated a little bit from, from those front-facing kind of um, houses and, and, and retreated to having, you know, alfresco areas at the back and, you know, for all of the focus being on that private space. Those spaces that we create at the front of uh, at the front of our our houses, our apartments, our buildings, you know, I mean, that's the that's the main opportunity to um, you know to 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 interact with your community. So you know, they are very important, and you know, front gardens, uh, you know, they they're the sort of things that they keep you out there, and you know, you 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 might have that experience of meeting a neighbour, and yeah, very important spaces. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I think it's some. I mean, I know I live in a you know a gated community, which, to be honest with you, I mean, it, it, I really miss that interaction with the street because you know we're set back behind a street, um, and you know we've got like security gates at the front, and and I I miserably when I when I you know started living there, I, I I didn't actually really think about it. I didn't think that I would actually miss. Miss miss that street frontage and, and and I guess the vitality that you get from just simple things like people walking past your property, um, yeah. So it, it, that's been a, a bit of an interesting wake up call for me from from this pandemic. Um, but I think the other thing is that you know I guess with design and 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 house design, you know, there's been a the emergence of a, what do they call them the Mac Mansion. Um, and so it's almost like in some situations as blocks of land uh, decrease in size and the internal areas increase in size, you know, this, this equation, this trade-off where we're sort of sacrificing outdoor space for indoor space, I'm just wondering whether there may be a re-evaluation uh, of, the, of that design trade-off. Yeah, it's interesting. It's hard to know what's a, a, a you know a, a, a trend and what's a reaction. But I I, I have read in in uh, in places um, you know that that people are um, desiring more space. Yeah, you know, moving from um, you know from from smaller places close in to larger places with more space around them. Um, you know, further out. You know, potentially into the outer suburbs and uh, potentially into the regions as well. So. Yeah, I think um, you know it'll be interesting to see how you know how that um, you know if that trend continues um, or if it indeed becomes a trend. But it's yeah, I mean, I, I guess just that attention to the detail and des- and designing those those edges and those interfaces. I you know I, I don't know. It just became it's just becoming increasingly important to me. I mean, I notice even with my my mum, my mum's in a in a nursing home. You know, the architecture of where of her nursing home has incorporated very large, you know, um, glass frontages on it and there's also like a cafe space on the street. So at least for the residents within her home, I know the importance that being able for them to be able to see the street and have that connectivity. Um, and, and so I really appreciate the design attention that's been paid to the design of this particular um, facility. And, and you know, yeah... I, because you, you often see things like aged care facilities not integrated into city in, into not city centres but into neighbourhood centres, often tucked away in in areas where you know because people think oh yes it's you know older residents need to be in a quiet space, mm. 
Whereas I think this is demonstrating that, like, it's it's not the case. They they need, you know, just like all of us, and, you know, we've talked about um, previously, people need this, this social connectivity that only comes from seeing other people. Absolutely. I, I recall uh, very early in my career I, I had a, a, a colleague who, um, he, uh, he was um, from an Italian family and... He went and visited his, uh, you know, his, his grandparents and, um, and, and um, aunts and uncles in, in, in Italy. And he, he was telling me this story. We're having a, we're having a discussion about, um, you know, amenity and what amenity means. And, you know, amenity means different things to different people. Um, and he, was, he, was, he told this story about uh, entering his, his grandmother's um, apartment and, uh, it was it was on the side of this hill that um, you know with with fantastic views of of, of the sea and um, he he went straight out onto the balcony and he was looking out onto the over the water thinking how amazing is this and then he he was sort of aware that that, that nobody else was sort of on their balconies and and, and then he realised that what what people do is there was a there was a light well at the rear of the apartment. And that's where all the action happened. So the amenity wasn't the view. The amenity was this light well where all of the the apartments were all connected in some way and they were all chatting to each other <laughs> through this light well. So there was the amenity right there. So, yeah. again, yeah, I mean, humans are social creatures. That, yeah. that, you know, we desire interaction and that's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see when you when you have something that's, uh, you know, a space that, that everybody is fronting onto, um, you know, that's the space that um, you know that that becomes that 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 opportunity to interact, and yeah, it's yeah. it's very uh, interesting to see the various ways that that can play out. And I guess that sort of leads us into thinking about, I guess, the role that open space is really playing within neighbourhoods and and our communities at this time during you know w- with the pandemic. You know, I mean, I think there's been a, a an emphasis on. You know the creation of regional open space, regional parklands, which is really important. But I think when you you're stuck in a you know a, a pandemic, you you really need to have adequate provision of local open space. You know, it's you know, we we talked previously. You know, the role of the park, being able to go to the park, being able to take your dog to a dog park, um, those things are really important. Um, and yeah, so, so most probably both in terms of having access to like, traditional open spaces, but also I guess the role of created urban urban spaces and urban places within the design of um, centres. Uh, how are you sort of how what what's your sort of thinking about how the pandemic will influence I guess the design of of new centres? Maybe you've, you're working on some projects at the moment which might be looking at revitalising urban spaces and is the pandemic, I guess, influencing your urban design thinking in that way? At Guide, we've been working with uh, Fairfield City Council and and Georges River Council to prepare master plans for um, the Beverly Hills Town Centre and Fairfield City Centre and various other centres around Fairfield as well. And I get I, the 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 premise of these plans has um, has been to I guess um, you know capture some of those um, you know those opportunities that go around you know sort of intensifying urban areas um, that have good access to to services and amenities and public transport, 
Um, but it's also, you know, the, the, the other part of that, when we're increasing the density of our, our urban spaces, we also need to think about the amenity. Um, you know, so, so with both of these, uh, or with, with all of these um, plans that we've been working on with these two, the, these two um, local governments, um, we, we, we've been looking for opportunities to, to create new public places. And um, although that hasn't been in response to the, the pandemic itself, I, I guess that the, the pandemic has sort of, um, you know, helped help us realise even um, even further that, you know, the, well, the importance of public space and the need, you know, as we, as we, uh, yeah, as our urban environments um, change and, um, and, and become, um, you know, more dense and, 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 and more vibrant, um, you know the places that we, we we need to create those places for 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 people to to gather and interact and and recreate and enjoy um, you know socializing and um, you know th- those places that people can um, you know can enjoy and relax and that was something that we were very aware of in in creating these master plans of the need to create these new spaces um, Creating these new spaces has not necessarily been in response to the the COVID pandemic itself, but it's certainly the, the pandemic certainly has uh, enabled us to realise the importance of, the, of of providing those spaces. When we uh, look at the uh, the provision of open space on a you know on a on a regional level, uh, you know metropolitan level. There are a number of uh, strategic initiatives that are, are certainly gathering pace, um, you know, at a state level, and and will eventually be progressed at a local level too. And I guess you know when we're thinking about our master planning spaces, about creating these new new spaces, we also think about the the state government um, initiative um, of of the green grid, which is a series of interconnected um, public spaces, um, you know. Parklands, um, national parks, um, regional parks, um, local parks—that all sort of come together to um, to form, you know, an, an interconnected grid of, of public space. So, um, you know, part of that is is um, you know sort of acknowledging and and reinforcing the spaces that do exist, but it's also thinking about well, what are um, the opportunities to link these spaces? What you know is is it to enhance um, one of the, the the streets or you know some of the roads that exist or some of the the corridors or wildlife corridors or some of our uh, you know our our waterways that might help to to link these places. But it's also about the creation of new spaces as well. You know on that more micro level. Um, you know the the place level. The you know the the, the level where we actually feel that experience so yeah, I, I agree with you yeah I think the the, um, the green grid policy is right on point and and the pandemic is really showing us that it's right on point I mean even down to its sort of level of um, you know tree canopy targets you know just you know so I, I come back to my experience of walking around my, my streets but you know I'm, I'm really valuing street trees Absolutely, you know, and and it's it's great to think that you know we're having we've got this coordinated policy response. I think through the green grid, from from that level way down, you know, right down to the the provision of, of actual sort of open spaces um, that that can be enjoyed. So yeah, I, I agree with you that that policy is right on point at the moment. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know. Th- 
environments don't begin and end at a particular point. It's all interconnected. So, you know, you think about the green grid and you think about all, you know, its reach across New South Wales even, you know, you think about its reach across Australia, you know, all these places are all sort of interconnected. And, you know, our, our non-human urban dwellers, you know, the birds and, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, wildlife that, you know, that, that resides in our city that, um, you know, they need places to go to, you know, and we think that, um, you know, by, you know, by, by enhancing the environments that they live in, I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. At state government level, there's some some really good initiatives being um, being worked through with the design and play SEP. Um, it'll provide guidance on public space. Um, you know, it, it'll focus on um, you know the the qualities of public space at various scales, at the the, the, the site scale, the precinct scale, and 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 beyond. So, you know, it's it's really important that we have these um, these policy frameworks in place to encourage um, you know thought about that and what sort of um, you know what what the interrelationships are between um, between various public spaces. It really does highlight the need for, for, for precinct-based planning, which is, you know, occurring in a lot of places. I mean, we've been involved in, in Beverly Hills and various centres in um, in Fairfield and state government and, and, and local governments are, um, are releasing a, a raft of precinct plans and strategies that, um, you know, that, that are going to guide the um, you know the future vision for, for some of the places that um, that are experiencing significant change because of uh, you know initiatives transport initiatives like the, the the Sydney Metro new light rail you know I mean all of this is creating the, the the need to start thinking about you know what can these places become to respond to their you know to the, to this new level of amenity that's being afforded to them you know and then you know on a on a on a broader level on a broader strategic level um, how do they um, you know how do they relate to everything else and I think that you know between you know precinct plans and local strategic planning statements uh you know district plans um, regional plans you know metropolitan plans all of these things come together to you know to try and paint paint the full picture and i think that um traditionally in new south wales um you know the the, the planning system was um was a little bit devoid of that sort of um, you know the, the the vision guidance at all of those levels of you know uh, and scales, um, and and over you know the, the the last five or ten years, there's certainly been some significant gains in that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, you know now that we have this framework, you know how that starts to influence the outcomes that we actually see on the ground. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, certainly the, the the work that has gone into that providing that overarching strategic direction and and that sort of filtering down at every level. Yeah, but I, I certainly think you know it's it's all heading in the right direction. There may be you know um, fine tuning in the detail <laughs> of some of the instruments, but uh, generally as an approach, I think it's it's all sort of well. Our experience through this pandemic is sort of indicating that we are all, you know, it is heading in the right direction. I'm certainly hopeful from, you know, the space that I work in, community engagement, that the pandemic may see an, an opening up of conversations, you know. I mean, it's the past few years, you know, with um, running engagement, the, the overarching sort of topic of conversation is always traffic and parking. And to the point where I think, you know, it, it erodes the ability to really be able to tap into local knowledge about what people want to see in the design 
of important local spaces and places, they, they, they forget to contribute to that part of the conversation because they're so focused on traffic and parking issues. And, I, and I'm hoping that personal experience um, that we're all having, you know, in terms of um, learning to walk and, and, and know that sort of when somebody says, oh, yes, we don't need that much parking because you can actually walk to the local shops, the people will now believe that statement rather than saying, no, people don't walk to the shops. We, people only drive to the shops. We need more parking. You know, So I, I'm hoping that there'll be a little bit of um, attitudinal readjustment you know, in that, again in that space that, that I'm working in. So I'm, I'm optimistic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I guess just with my experience of, uh, of, of, of consultation is you do, uh, I think that um, the, the issues that people will bring to the table are either the issues that they're the most passionate about or yeah. the issues that they're the most frustrated about. And unfortunately, traffic and parking in, in Sydney is, is, it can be a very frustrating thing, you know, and that's the, the palpable thing that people experience on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, and, and I mean, when, when, you, when you think about the urban spaces and the amenity that's in our urban spaces, um, you know, it, it, it can be easy to overlook. If you're used to a space and you're used to, you know, um, you know, streets of poor visual quality, you might stop noticing them. It's not until you contrast with that with uh, a street of, um, of, of amazing quality and amenity that you start to realise that, um, uh, you know, that, that, that change in... in in the amenity of those spaces is something that we need to strive for. And, you know, it's certainly, um, you know, a topic that we, we really try to focus on, you know, those placemaking elements of, uh, of, of our, our cities and our, our towns, you know, it's certainly something that we try to focus on in, um, you know, in the consultation that we've, um, we've undertaken, um, especially, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, in places like Beverly Hills or Fairfield city centre, you know, if we're going to create these new spaces, um, you know, what are they going to be? What do they need to be? You know, it is. I agree, Belinda. It's very important for people to um, to be having input into that because ultimately, um, as the designers, we're not going to be using those spaces. Um, you know, it's the people that live there that are going to be using yeah. those spaces, and they need to tell us. Um, I guess you know what they expect that experience to be. Yeah, exactly. And you know, often. You know, those spaces are, pa- are paid for by developer contributions or even on sort of, you know, on a project by project basis where you you have a developer at the table and they're wanting to deliver a public benefit. Um, you know, oh, as I said, you know, with, with engagement, we, we often don't, don't even get to, to talk about that because the communities are like so fixated on just traffic and, and, and parking and it yeah, it just always seems like such a lost opportunity. So yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that living this experience and people sort of a re- renewed connection and understanding of their local areas may yeah may I I don't know just give them a different perspective when they 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 get involved in engagement and and start thinking about yeah new new places and spaces. So let's hope. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Well, Sunny, thank you so much for joining me today. In wrapping up, I think it's clear from our discussion that there are many insights that we can share and learn from our collective pandemic experiences. We're all navigating a very new and challenging landscape. And while those challenges won't quickly dissipate, I think we'll be stronger and more resilient as a community um, as as a result of this experience. And I think 
I think as like designers and, and that, that pool of design thinking will be certainly a lot richer um, as a result of this experience. So Sunny, I guess as a result of like our conversation today, what are the, some of the key perspectives that you think we're going to walk away with as a result of this pandemic? I guess from my side, some of the things I see are really renewed understanding of what it means to live local. Um, I'd put up there really the importance of digital technology, that when you can't have that, that all-important social connection, the importance of technology in connecting people to businesses and, and the, the, the need to make sure that like all neighbourhoods and, and have that same level and access to that same level of technology. And I guess for me, a really big wake-up call. It's not a wake-up call for me, but I hope it's a wake-up call for a lot of other people that streets are not just for cars, that, you know, that there's pedestrians <laughs> and, and just the, the, the role that they play, yeah, not in only in, yeah, in spaces for, for people to walk along to get from A to B, but just the role they play, that, that aesthetic role that they play in providing amenity to local neighbourhoods is just so important. What would be your perspective? I agree with all of that, Belinda. I think that um, you know, for me, it really re- reinforces the you know the role of of good planning principles. You know, and and whether we're planning for a you know um, for the aftermath of a, a pandemic and for the, the you know the things that may shift um, in 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 the wake of a pandemic. Um, you know, we come back to those um, you know those, those fundamental principles of of, of good planning and urban design and as you say we we are planning for people we're planning for community and we're planning for those spaces and places that you know us as humans um we're planning for those spaces and places that we as humans uh you know can 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 interact and 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 socialize and enjoy and you know it really does come down to finding that 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 um you know that balance between um you know space building movement you know how does that all sort of interact and i think that if we find that balance that um you know that 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 really favors the 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 human experience and you know our experience of place and enjoyment you know i think that we're 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 doing well and i think that really the I mean, we, we do have a lot of limitations in in terms of um, you know how how much space we can create and what the qualities are the qualities of those um, spaces we create. There will always be um, trade offs, but if we keep in at the forefront of our minds that we're designing for people and communities, um, I you know I think that that is the fundamental um, aspect of planning that will do us well um, for planning in the wake of a pandemic as well. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's really been great to be able to just sit down and, and have this discussion with you and to share our thoughts. Um, I hope everything keeps going great guns at Guide and uh, look forward to catching up with you again really soon. Thanks, Belinda. It's been a real pleasure to, to catch up with you and um, you know, I look forward to you know more conversations in the future. Fantastic. Thanks, Sonny. Over the next few months, we'll continue to invite guests to speak on a variety of topics. If you have a topic that you would like us to address, please send it through via the Urban Concepts website or email me directly on belinda at urbanconcepts.net.au. For updates on Urban Talk, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. My name is Belinda Barnett and thank you for listening to our Urban Talk podcast. Urban Talk.